0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is a message from our series on the book of First Peter, where we're challenged to live different. You can connect with us further at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Hey,
1: we're in a series right now in uh, First Peter that we're calling Live Different. We're going through this ancient uh, letter from Peter, looking at what it means to live as a follower of Christ. And today, Uh, I'm actually going to press pause on 1 Peter, but we are going to continue to talk about what it means to live differently as followers of Jesus. We're going to talk about one of the very specific ways that we live differently as followers of Jesus, and that is in giving generously. I I just want you to turn to the person next to you, give them a high five, and say, I'm so glad it's the giving talk today. Why don't you uh, turn to your second choice, give them a little fist pump and say, goody, goody, it's the giving talk. If you're online, just say, let's go, because we're about to press go. Some of you, as soon as I say we're talking about giving, uh, bad thoughts come into your mind. Some of you right now, you're battling thoughts of anger. You know, this is a difficult financial time for us, and the church is asking for more money, and you're uh, feeling a little bit angry right now, maybe some of us are feeling a little guilty right now, we'd really love to give, but we don't feel like we can afford to give, and uh, kind of feels a little bit guilty. Some of you right now are thinking, I am so, you've got a big smile on your face. You were going to invite your friend to church today, and you are so glad that you didn't, because today's a giving talk. Others of you, a little bit cranky, you did invite your friend, and they're sitting next to you right now, and you wish you hadn't uh, invited them. If you are here this morning or you're watching online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, can I just make it really, really clear? I'm not going to ask you to give anything today. But I hope that you will get a better understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ as you do listen today. If you're here and you have been following Jesus for a long time and you really believe that you are giving what God has called you to give, today I'm not here to manipulate anybody into giving more. We're going to finish the service today just saying, Holy Spirit, speak to us. should tell us how to respond. What I really hope this morning is that by the end of the day, you're actually glad that you're here and your friends here. And some of us might actually embark on a new adventure of giving generously and giving by faith and seeing the God of abundant generosity provide for our needs. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we do just give you these next few moments as we open your word and uh, we reflect on your heart of generosity. God, would you speak to us clearly? God, would you challenge us where we need challenging? Would you encourage us where we need encouraging? And God, would you remind us of how faithful and generous you are? And would you help us to live lives of faithfulness and generosity in this season we live in? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start by saying giving to God is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. Giving to God is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. Jesus knew this. In fact, if you read Jesus' sermon on on the mount, one of his most famous sermons, you'll see that he talks a lot more about money than what we ever do. Because he knows that giving is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue, and he really wants our heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He really wants our heart. And you know this is true. You know that you give generously to the ones that you love. We all do this. We give generously to the ones we love. If you looked at my bank statements for the last 27 years, you'll see very very clearly that I love my kids and I've given generously to them. In fact, they've cost me a bucket load of money, you know, for the last 27 years from the moment they were born I spent a fortune on them you know it started out being you know cots and prams and nappies and, and medical bills and then they went to school and it was school uniforms and school fees and school excursions and everything else the school could think you know to just pile on to uh, to those uh, bills but I continued to give generously to my kids because I love my kids and then they got a little bit older and you know they cost me iPhones and iPads and iPods and every time Apple brought out a new product, I would break into a sweat and have a panic attack because I knew it was going to cost me money. You know, I'm just glad during those years that Facebook and Instagram didn't charge by the hour, else you would have a broke pastor standing in front of you right now. Now I've got all adult children and I still love them and so I'm still giving generously to them. Weddings, free rent, (laughs) family meals at restaurants, all grown adults sitting around a table, yet when that moment that the bill comes, somehow every other adult miraculously disappears, or their wallet disappears, and they wait for poor old dad to once again give generously to the kids That He loves. We give generously to the ones that we love. I love Susan. She too has cost me a fortune over the years. (laughs) Let let me talk to all the young blokes in the room who want to get rich. Stay away from girls and cars. This is a different sermon, but stay away particularly from girls in cars. But uh, if you a young bloke in the room, and you want to be a millionaire, stay away from girls and cars, and you'll be rich before you know it. It's not in the Bible, it's just sound advice from Grandpa Jason. <laughs> you know, Susan's cost me a fortune. I love her. And so, you know, I take her on romantic dinners, I buy her fine jewelry and expensive presents. And some of you who know me well know that I'm not all that romantic. But if you looked at my bank statements, you would see very clearly that I love Susan more than any other woman. I've not bought a gift for another woman, except the last, last time would have been uh, my last girlfriend. I bought a bottle of Astralis perfume wrapped in a hyper-colour T-shirt for Christmas in 1987. You know, we give generously to the ones that we love, you look at your bank statement and you can see who you love. Our bank statements also tell us who we trust. Jesus goes on in his giving talk to say some, I think, some of the most challenging words in the New Testament. He says this, do not worry, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. These are challenging words from Jesus. Followers of Jesus are called to live differently to the culture around them. Jesus is saying unbelievers, pagans, people who bow down to other idols, who do not trust their, their Father in heaven, they chase after these things. They chase after you know, the money to, to, to buy what they want to eat and what they want to drink and what they want to wear. And I read that and I go, I get that. You know, I, I like to eat I, I like to drink. I like to buy expensive cowboy boots. You know, I, I, I kind of get that. I, I kind of want the things that I want. And I know the temptation to chase after those things. And Jesus is saying the big difference for followers of Jesus is that we don't chase after, we don't focus on the things that we want. We actually chase after, we seek first, we focus on what our heavenly Father wants, and we trust him to provide for our needs. It's a big difference. So do not worry. Do not worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, and what you're gonna wear. I wonder if some of us are actually living in the anxiety of the unknown. It's kind of like we, we know, you know, Blind Freddy could tell you that, you know, we're living in rising costs of living. Interest rates are going up, power bills are, are going up, food bills are going up. You know, my secret guilty pleasure is Cheese Supreme Doritos. Come on, does anyone else here love Cheese Supreme Doritos? For years, they were $2.70 a packet at Woolies. I know, I bought a lot of them. You know how much they are now? $4.50. I I wish I'd stockpiled them like toilet paper during COVID. It's costing me a fortune. And most of us sitting here in the room, are going, well, right now, I kind of got what I need. I got a roof over my head and I got food. In the cupboard, there's a heap of people in our community that don't, and that's why what we're going to do in a couple of weeks on Thanksgiving Day is so important to actually care for those in need. But the majority of us in this room right now and watching online, we've got what we need right now, but our worry is, will I be able to get what I want in the future? And, And Jesus is saying, don't worry about that. Don't worry about changing circumstances because your Father in heaven is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful in every season. So do not worry. And then we worry about if I do put the kingdom of God first, if I do give generously, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices about what I want. Yes, you are. I'm not sugarcoating that. Yes, you are. I hope someone explained that to you when you signed up to be a follower of Jesus. When you seek first the kingdom of God, it will mean sacrifice of time, talent, and treasure. There will be a sacrifice. In fact, God has always called the people who love him to make a sacrifice of their time, talent, and treasure. If we go way back in time, God chose the nation of Israel to be in a relationship of, of love, of, of, of uh, committed love to, to one another. And he said to them, when they were slaves in Egypt, he says, if you love me, If you trust me, I will rescue you from slavery by the blood of a lamb. And so he asked them to make a sacrifice. And You've got to remember these guys are slaves. They didn't have much. In, in fact, families that didn't have a lamb of their own, there was a way that they could share with one another so that everybody you know, could be saved from, from slavery. He says, I want you to make a sacrifice. I want you to sacrifice a lamb and you're to smear the blood over the doorpost of your house. And if you love me, if you trust me, if you, if you do this thing I'm asking you to do, when I pass over Egypt, I will pass over your house and I will save you from death And I will deliver you from slavery and I'll give you a promised land to live in. And the people did trust him. They sacrificed the land. They put the the blood over the doorpost. God passed over. He he saved them from death. He saved them from slavery. And even though they're a little unfaithful on the journey, eventually he delivered them into a promised land that it was so fertile. It says it was flowing with milk and honey. It was the most fertile region in the area. And God delivered them into this space. And he explained to them. He actually wrote it on stone. It was very, very clear. He wrote on stone, this is how our relationship is going to work. Because every loving relationship is a two-way relationship. And he wrote down a whole bunch of laws that they were to follow to express their love, their devotion to the God who had saved them by the blood of a lamb. Now, one of those laws, or many of those laws actually, we're just going to look at one of them today, was about what they were to do with their finance, with their produce. It says in Leviticus 27, it says, A tithe, can everyone say a tithe? Of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It belongs to God, the one who saved you, the one who delivered you, the one who's given you this promised land. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy. Holy means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. They were to bring a tithe. Who, Who can tell me what tithe literally means? Come on, yell it out. Someone yell it out. A tenth. Tenth. Not not 1%, not 2%. It's a tenth. It's 10%. God said to them, he says, I want you to give 10% of your fruit and veggies that you produce. Now, you've got to understand, this is a time before Visa, before MasterCard. This is a time before Bitcoin. In fact, this was a time before the majority of people actually used coins. Their income was what they produced on the land. He says, this is how you to express your love for me. This is how you to put your trust in me. You to bring a tenth of your produce into the temple. And it's to get used to provide for the priests who serve you in the temple. It's to get used for religious festivals, when we uh, ways to, to bring worship to me, and it's to get used to actually share amongst the poor in the community, like we're going to do in a couple of weeks' time. I want you to bring a tithe. I want you to bring a tenth. All right, I want you to transport yourself back about 3,000 years. And just imagine you're a pumpkin farmer in Israel. And one year, one year, your farm, remember God gave it to you, your farm produced a hundred pumpkins. How many were you to give to God? Under the law, back in Israel, in your promised land, if you got a hundred pumpkins, how many were you to give to God? Ten, all right. What, what do you notice? There's you know hundred pumpkins, a lot of pumpkins. I mean, what do you do with this many pumpkins? You know, there's pumpkin pie, there's pumpkin scones, there's you know pumpkin soup, there's uh, chili, pumpkin dip, there's pumpkin and hummus, pumpkin. What else do you do with this? This is a lot of pumpkins. Poor old pumpkin farmer. Now, just remember, how many is a tithe again if you've got 100 pumpkins? 10, all right, so four. That's six, eight. So just checking, I've got eight pumpkins I'm giving to God at the moment. If I'm gonna give the whole tithe, how many more do I need? Two, all right, just checking. We do the math here. All right, 10 pumpkins was to give to God. What do you notice About this picture. Even when you've given 10 to God, what do you notice about what's left? There's a stink a lot of pumpkins. You you still got 90 pumpkins. Left is a lot of pumpkins. You hardly made a dent in the pumpkins once you've given your tithe in worship to God. What, what would you call a pumpkin farmer who kind of looked at all that he had left and looked at the ten that he had to give to God because God had you know, saved him, delivered him, given him a promised land that was fertile and sent rain to produce the crops? What would you call a farmer who, who decided you know, he didn't quite have enough pumpkins left and he would actually take two that he was going to give to God and just kind of hide them back in his pile because he wanted to keep more for himself. What word would we use? You can put it in the chat if you want. What word would we use to describe a pumpkin farmer like that? Greedy. It's greedy. After all, God had given him. He wants to keep more for himself. We call him greedy. What about the pumpkin farmer who looked down the road And his mate, Pat the pumpkin farmer, actually produced 108 pumpkins this year. He had eight more pumpkins than him. And he kind of wasn't feeling very satisfied with his life because Pat the pumpkin farmer down the road had more pumpkins than him. So I thought, well, that's not fair that he's got more. I don't feel real good about myself, so I'll keep just a couple more of these pumpkins for myself so the gap between me and Pat is not that big. What's a word that we might use to describe that kind of pumpkin farmer? Jealous or discontent? Discontent, to to actually think that you would find your sense of satisfaction and contentment in the number of pumpkins that you had when there's a God in heaven who saved you and delivered you into a land and knows you by name and provides for you year after year, it would seem crazy that you'd actually find your sense of satisfaction and contentment in how many pumpkins you had compared to the person down the road. What about the pumpkin farmer who... Year after year, seeing God provide. But just had a moment, sort of reading the predictions of the future, listening to all the experts that are saying, maybe there's no rain coming next year. He doesn't really trust that God will provide again in the same way he's provided this year. So he decides just to squirrel a couple away in his esky just in case God doesn't provide the way that he has every other year. What might we call that pumpkin farmer? I'd probably call him, I know he's a little harsh, unfaithful. He doesn't have faith that the God who is proven faithful year after year He's gonna be faithful again because everyone around him is saying there's hard times ahead. I'd call him maybe unfaithful. Lastly, what would we call the pumpkin farmer who was really concerned about global warming? It wasn't this wasn't about image management. This wasn't about having a fancy new car. He was really concerned about global warming and he thought the way to solve the problem was to buy a new Tesla. He really wanted a new Tesla now. He didn't want to wait until his pumpkins ripened So he went to the pumpkin bank down the road and he borrowed pumpkins at 17.5% interest to buy his brand new Tesla that he could cruise around town in. But by the time that his pumpkins did ripen, he owed so many pumpkins to the pumpkin bank that he only had one pumpkin left to give to God. What would we call that pumpkin farmer? Again, this is a little harsh, I think we'd call him a fool. That's poor pumpkin management. Now, when we're talking about pumpkins, we can all have a little snigger and a laugh, and we think, as if. As if you'd be that greedy that you wouldn't give 10 pumpkins to God. As if You, you would be so lacking in faith that you wouldn't trust God to provide like he's provided through the generations. As if you would find your sense of contentment in how many pumpkins you had. As if you would get yourself into so much debt that you had no margin in your life to give faithfully to God. As if, now it seems crazy when we're talking about pumpkins. But when it's our money, it doesn't seem so crazy. We kind of know the struggles that we have with greed and holding back and not giving generously. We kind of know the struggles with have with finding contentment in what we have, making idols out of things rather than out of God. We, we, we know, we know how difficult it is, particularly when all the experts are, you know, giving us grim warnings of the future. We know how hard it is to trust the unchanging God of the universe, the God who is faithful in every season. And we know how easy it is in this culture we live in right now to get ourselves into so much debt we've got no margin left to do anything generously. God was so confident. He was so confident in his ability to provide for the people that loved him. He actually, the last chapter of the Old Testament, he sends a, a prophet, Malachi, to actually tell the people of Israel that they're robbing God. He says, How are we robbing God? And he says, You're not bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse, you're just bringing your leftovers. And then God says this. He says, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. These next four words is the only time you'll see it in the scripture. Test me in this. You can test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. It's the only time in Scripture God says you can test me in this because he's, he's got full confidence in his ability to provide. What we need to understand, and if we're going to be people who reflect the heart of God, we need to understand about God. God is not a bare minimum kind of God. He's not a just enough kind of God. He's not a limited resources stingy kind of God. Our God is a God of abundant blessing. Our God is a God who throws open the the floodgates of heaven. Our God is a God who loves to bless more than what we've ever asked, dreamed, or imagined. Our God is the God of immeasurably more. Test me in this. Now let me pause just for a minute. We have not been redeemed from slavery by the blood of a lamb, and we do not live under an old covenant written in stone. But we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been bought back from slavery to sin. We have been bought back from death to life. We have been redeemed. We have an eternal purpose here on this earth and we have an inheritance in heaven that will never perish, spoil or fade. We have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. First Peter says this, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, that you were bought back from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Remember the principle? We give to the ones that we love. We give generously to the ones that we love. How much does God love you? He did not buy you back with silver and gold and perishable things. He bought you back with the blood of his son. It is an extravagant love. You have been redeemed. You've been bought back. If you put your faith in Christ, you'll never pay the debt of your sin and you'll live forever in relationship with God. Now, we sing about this. We, we sing about the fact that, God, I'm all yours. Everything I've got is yours. God, I give you everything. Except let me keep my pumpkins. Let me keep my pumpkins. So you've got to understand, under the new covenant, we do not live under an old covenant written on stone. Under the new covenant, Everything we have belongs to God. Not just 10%. Everything is his. All of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure. And we're going to be held to account to how we steward it all. And so everything we've got, we lay at the altar before Jesus and we say, show me, show me how to give generously of my time and my talent and my treasure in this season. And scripture gives us some guides. Scripture speaks to us about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to give generously. Firstly, in... uh, It says, to give proportionately. It says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. All right, Paul is now talking to the church. He's talking to people just like us. He's talking to people who have been redeemed, not by the blood of the lamb, but by the blood of the son of God. He says, this is what I want you to do. This is how you're to show your love to God, you're to give proportionately, you to set aside a sum in keeping with your income. Do not wait until you've got a 1,000 pumpkins. I hear this all the time. When I've got a lot, then I'll start to give. No, you won't. If you're not faithful with the little you've got now, you won't be faithful when you've got a lot. So if you've got 10 pumpkins, Give in proportion to your income. Give one back to God. If you got 30 pumpkins, give in proportion to your income. Give three back to God. If you're blessed with a thousand pumpkins, give in proportion to your income. Give back to God. We're called to give. Proportionately, We won't all give the same amount, but we're all called to give in keeping with our income. And it says give regularly, the first day of every week. For them it was a Sunday, it was the first day of their week. And they would come together in the church and they would... Give. Now we've kind of stopped passing buckets around because we don't kind of live with pumpkins, we don't live with coins, we don't really even live with notes anymore, we live uh, off of a card, and most of us give uh, during the week. But the, the, the principle here is to give regularly and give first. Don't wait until you've got some scraps left at the end of the week. Don't wait until you've paid all your bills, you've you've gone to the movies, you've bought your new TV, you've eaten three pizzas, and you've bought six pairs of shoes that were on special online. And just whatever's left, you might give some scraps to God. He's saying really intentionally here to the church, give proportionately and give regularly. Give first on the first day of the week. It says set it aside Actually set it aside, it is holy to God. Put it aside and give it to God. Give sacrificially, as I said right at the start. If you're gonna seek first the kingdom of God, there will be a sacrifice involved. Let me read from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter eight. It says, now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. The city of Macedonia, the church of Macedonia, was actually going through severe poverty. It was a very difficult time. It was a a season of want, not plenty. And yet they pleaded with the opportunity. They pleaded for the opportunity to give sacrificially. You need to understand, they're most likely first generation Christians. They're the first people in their family to put their faith in Jesus Christ. The love and grace of God has transformed their lives They are so grateful that someone brought the gospel to them. That they pleaded for the opportunity to see that gospel continue to go throughout the Roman Empire. They pleaded with the for the opportunity to give. And can I just say, I love the heart of this church. I love the heart of this church to give so generously to Gateway Beyond. It's actually transformed my understanding of giving. The devotion in the heart of this church to give, to see the gospel go to places and people that have never heard it, the sacrifice in this place to actually start new campuses so the gospel can go into new communities, it has blown my mind. I want to say thank you. Mostly, that generosity is going to go and bless people that you will never lock eyes on this side of heaven. I want to thank you for your ongoing generosity to to Gateway Beyond and all that we're doing to plant more campuses and see the gospel go into new communities and it will always require a sacrifice. The church in Macedonia pleaded for the opportunity in the midst of their poverty to give with a rich generosity. We're to give generously. It's always one of the things the church has been known for. You read from the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, the initial descriptions of the church was about generosity, was about selling fields, was about giving away possessions. No one considered their possessions their own. They just wanted to bless their community. There was a generosity that has always marked the church. This verse I'm going to read has actually really impacted my understanding of tithing. My understanding of giving. In 2 Corinthians it says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. As I said, we don't live according to a covenant written on tablets of stone. We live under a covenant of grace, been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've given the pumpkin farmer a bit of a hard time today. But you need to understand, if this guy doesn't produce pumpkins the next year, his family either goes into slavery and has to sell their farm, or they starve to death. It's a big step of faith he's taking to give to God. Now, what I haven't unpacked today, and I'm not going to try to because I'm just going to try and keep it simple. If you add up all of the tithes and the offerings the pumpkin farmer was called to give under the old covenant, it was actually around and half percent of what he produced he'd give away. There was a tithe that just went straight to God. And then other festivals, there was other gifts that they were required to bring and other offerings at different times of year. You add it all up. It was an incredible generosity back to a God who'd been incredibly generous to them. I'm just going to stick to the 10% today. I think that's easier for, for us to get our heads around but this instruction in the New Testament to excel in the grace of giving. If they were giving 10% under the law, I've personally made the decision that I can't possibly give any less under grace. For all that Jesus has poured into my life, the church has always been called to give generously. Then it goes on to say, give cheerfully. Do not give because you've got your arm twisted behind your back. Do not give because, you know, someone's inspired you to give. Do not give because you're feeling guilty, but give cheerfully. It says, each man should give what he's decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can I just be honest here for a moment? I did not start out as a cheerful giver. I did not start out as a cheerful tither. I started tithing because I loved a girl. When I started going out with Susan and we got engaged, she had tithed her whole life, tithed her pocket money, tithed her part-time job at Macca's, and started to tithe her full-time job. And she said, if we're gonna get married, we're gonna tithe. I said, okay, only because you're hot. (laughs) That's why I started tithing. I was a reluctant tither. But for the last 29 years, we've given a tithe to the church. And coming here in the last 19 years, we've decided to give a tithe and anything else that we give, whether it be to Gateway Beyond or to Bloom or Thanksgiving Day to our care centres, it is over and above our tithe. And it's really, we've been really stretched in our generosity and giving by becoming a part of this church. I'm so glad for it. And I've become a cheerful giver. Every time someone stands in that baptistry and puts their faith in Jesus Christ and tells their story, I cheer because I get to be part of it. Every time I go to youth camp or go up to YC or Friday Night Youth and I see young people worshiping Jesus and their hearts getting captured with the love and grace of Jesus, I cheer. And some of you can join me because I get to be a part of it. My giving gets to be a part of it. It's worth cheering because all of heaven is cheering on. Every time I go out to kid Zone and I see groups of young people sitting around in a circle and someone just a little bit older unpacking the Bible with them, I start to cheer and some of you can join me because faith is getting passed on from generation to generation. Every time a family opens a red bag and has food to put on their table, I'm cheering and you'll get to join me in a couple of weeks time on Thanksgiving Day because there's families in our city discovering there's a God in heaven who knows their name because there's a church that loves them and gives generously to them in their time of need. Every time. The doors of a new campus get open or we send a new gateway beyond worker around the world. I'm cheering and some of you are cheering with me because the gospel is going to more people in more places and we get to be a part of it. It's a privilege. Be a cheerful giver. One of our values as a church is to give with abundant generosity, to live, sorry, with abundant generosity you know, give generously of our time, our talent, and our treasure. And once again, I just want to thank you for your generosity over many years to see the kingdom of God advance through this church. Let me just talk really practically just for a minute. You know, right now, at this time of year, we're about $180,000 behind in our general giving. Gateway Beyond is great. I know Thanksgiving Day is going to fill our care centre in a couple of weeks' time. But in our general giving, we're about $180,000 behind. We are managing our budget. Just like everybody else got to manage their budget, we are not spending on a bunch of things that uh, we were planning to spend on and a bunch of things that we're going to need to spend on in the future. You can't delay uh, everything. But right now we are and we're managing our our budget really well. But the Board of Elders have got to make some decisions in the coming months about what ministry looks like in all of our campuses next year. And so we're coming before God and saying, God, what are you saying to us? And the Board of Elders have asked us to speak in every campus today about the principles in Scripture of giving. And so I just say to all of us today, again, I do not want anyone to be a reluctant giver. I don't want anyone feeling like they've got their arm twisted behind their back. I just encourage you to come before God and say, how hey, are you calling me to give? Am I giving proportionately? Am I giving regularly? Am I giving sacrificially? Am I giving generously? And am I giving cheerfully? God, how are you calling me to steward all that you've given me in this season that we're living in right now? Jesus, in this giving sermon, he does on the side of a hill. He says, do not store up For yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, store up, store up treasure in heaven. Use your time, use your talent, use your treasure to actually store up. Treasures in heaven. When we all give generously, heaven fills gradually. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. I just want to ask you today, and I want you to ask God are you trusting God with your pumpkins? Are you trusting God with your pumpkins? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth but treasures in heaven where moths and rust and vermin can never steal or destroy. I just wanna ask us this morning just to spend a moment before God and just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me bee, about giving generously, and being a good steward of all that you've entrusted to me. Can we stand together this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to your people. Challenge us where we need challenging. Inspire us where we need inspiring. Fill us with faith where we need faith. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Just take a minute to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Father God, thank you for your abundant generosity to us. Thank you that you gave us your most generous gift. You gave your one and only son so that we would not perish, but we would have eternal life. Thank you that you redeemed us. You brought us back. Thank you we've been set free. Set free from the slavery of sin. We've been set free from death. Thank you that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. God, today, every heart, every household, would you speak to us and show us how to steward what you've given us to store up treasure in heaven? Give us courage to be obedient. God, give us wisdom and understanding. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, let's just finish today declaring the faithfulness of God. All my life, God, you've been faithful. This has certainly been my testimony, not just financially, but in every area of my life, God has been abundantly gracious. He's not treated me as as my sins deserve. He's treated me so much better than I could ever imagine. He's a generous God. He's a faithful God. God, let's just lift our hearts in worship. Let's just declare, God, you are faithful. All my days, you have been faithful.
0: I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails. All my days I've been held in your hand. The moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. god.
1: comes to Psalm 23, verse 5. It's just been my verse I've held on to for the last couple of weeks. Surely your love and your goodness will follow me all the days of my life. It's kind of like this little reminder from God, just slow down. Let my goodness catch up to you. Some of you need to take hold of that right now. But uh, this morning at 8 o'clock, I did something I, d- I don't remember doing in a public church service before. And uh, I really want to do it again. I just felt God prompt me as we were singing this song at 8 o'clock to to pray uh, for all the business owners in the room. I I just found myself the last six or eight weeks just finding people after church who are leading businesses and just wanting to pray a blessing over them. I know leading a church in the last few years, I've needed people to pray for me and uh, just been really draining and just felt today. I just wanted to pray a blessing over the the business owners and leaders in the room. Pray that God will bless you with wisdom. He Bless you with strength and resilience to persevere. Wisdom to know how to to lead with kingdom values. Bless you with people, people to join your team that actually believe in the vision of where you're going. Bless you with, with finance and opportunity. To, uh, to be a blessing to the families that work for you, a blessing to the church family you're a part of. If, if you're a, a business owner, business uh, leader in the room, and you just love us some people to gather around you and pray for you today, just felt like it's what God prompted me to do. I'd love you just to run to the front. If that's you, come on. Just come on in. If that's you, just come and come receive from God. Keep keep coming. Don't don't miss out if it's you. Doesn't happen all that often. I don't think I've done it in 29 years, so maybe a good idea to come today. I encourage you to do if you're down here for prayer this morning just open your arms I, I just love our prayer team pastoral team or just friends of these guys just come and stand with them I just, just God's just put it on my heart I just gotta pray for these guys I don't know why just come and stand with them just come put a hand on their shoulder family, friends life group members just make sure someone's standing with everyone I'm gonna pray and then as uh just just let a prayer rise up in your heart. I need a few more people to come. Scotty, you want to run down there with your wife? Yeah, come on. Oh, God. God, thank you. I just want to thank you this morning for the steps of faith that these men and women have taken. I thank you for the way they've stepped out in faith, believing this vision you've put on their heart to build a business. And God, I, I thank you. It's your vision. God, I thank you. It's your dream. God, I thank you. You've wired them up. You've created them. You've knit them together in their mother's womb for such a time as this and for this particular business and this particular season that you've called them to. And God, today... I ask that you would pour out a blessing, that you would open the floodgates of heaven. God, I pray for those needing wisdom right now. God, there's a a fork in the road and there's an uncertainty about which way to go. God, would you give them wisdom? That you show them the path that you're calling them to take. God, I also believe there's there's someone here today and, and you're just saying, don't worry which path you take don't worry. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. And God, I pray for whoever that is, there'll just be a peace that comes over them right now. They would know your peace. God, I pray for a blessing of people. God, you'd bring people to join their team that own the business, that love the business, that got the same kingdom heart as them. God, I pray that you'd give them strength to stand firm. Stand firm in the the, the principles that you've called them to lead their business in, in in honesty and integrity and vulnerability and, and choosing to put you first in everything, in generosity. God, give them strength and resilience to stand firm in Jesus' name. And God, I do pray that you'd bless them financially. God, give them opportunities. Open new doors of opportunity, God, that they would step into by faith and they would see blessing poured out on them. They'd see blessing poured out on the families that are part of their business. They'd see blessing poured out on the ministries that you call them to, on their church family, God. Would you open the floodgates of heaven? of, if you're standing with someone, just, just pray blessing over them. It might be a really simple prayer. If you got nothing else, just say Jesus. Just pour your love, your grace, your blessing over them. Just, just pray for whoever you're standing with. Let's just finish out the chorus of that song, Marky. Come on, just pray. Pray a blessing. good. You're a God of abundant blessing. God, would you continue? Just pour out your blessings on your people. Help us to trust you in every area of our lives. God, may we walk out of this place just full of your peace and your strength. You are our good shepherd and your love and your goodness will follow us all the days of our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Back in First Peter next week and then Thanksgiving Day the week after. Make sure you grab a red bag, grab an invite card, bring some friends along with you to, uh, to Thanksgiving Day. It's one of the great days, as Brad said before, it's one of the great days in our church calendar. Make sure you're here. Bring your friends, bring your family. God bless.
0: We hope that you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family and if you'd like to discover more about where we meet in all our locations and online, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au.